Hey, Coast to Coast listeners. Are you in need of company during those strange days and lonely nights? Every Monday, Molly Lambert, Tess Lynch, and myself, Emily Yoshida, gather in dark rooms on either side of the coast for a free jazz blend of pop culture theory, internet fascinations, and venture down a plethora of half-baked conspiracy theory rabbit holes. Fans of Coast to Coast should know that Art Bell is actually a huge influence on our show. So if you're looking for a younger perspective on a lot of the theories and stuff that he was always into, then you will definitely enjoy our podcast. Everything from advice on life and love, to ghost stories, to alien sightings, our thoughts on astrology, and the coming apocalypse. Listen to Night Call on iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. We are with retired Lieutenant Colonel Bob McGinnis. We're talking about his work, The Deeper State. And when you talk about globalism, Bob, what exactly is that? Well, for most people, George, it's corporate expansion, free trade, instant communication. To me, I would argue it's a radical ideology, a kind of a humanist religion, uh, it's replacing the nation state with global governance. Uh, it's, you know, really a, you know, I think of Osama bin Laden. Uh, Osama bin Laden was a globalist in terms of religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have justice globalists, and of course you have market globalists, the David Rockefellers of the world and others. So, you know, it's, it's kind of one world government sort of thing, and it's, uh, pretty popular amongst a a set of people in this world that uh, are really power-hungry. What do they want? Well, they want control. They believe they're the elite of the world, and, you know, they're feudalistic. They're going to dictate to you and me exactly what we can do, eat, live, uh, and how many of us can live. You know, they want total control. They don't want sovereign countries. They want the removal of borders. You know, they have... Uh, you know, they want public property, but you can't take away their private property. They, it's sort of like a scientific dictatorship. Uh, they, they want to brainwash the masses, tell you what to do and what not to do. At the same time, uh, they are, of course, going to you know, dictate everything that's happening in the world today. Is it like governance that's happening in Russia and China today, or is it more uh, elaborate? Well, I, I think it's a mix of both. Uh, w- mm. What you have in Russia, of course, is a so-called democracy under the authoritarian Vladimir Putin and Xi, President Xi uh, Jinping in China, of course, is a dictator for life, but he was elected by the Communist Party. And, and, and there's a lot of government interference and dic- dictation. You know, these people want to remove boundaries and borders. Uh, they want one giant market. They want one giant government. Uh, they're, they love the U.N., uh, and of course, they've been around for a long time, going all the way back to Friedrich Hegel, who uh, was the first of a, a number of progressives that eventually, you know, kind of morphed with this globalist approach that we're beginning to see in the world today. So let's say, for example, the globalists in Europe, they'd like to have no individual countries, just one massive area there, I assume. Yeah, the European Union, and of course the pushback are the likes of Marine Le Pen and 
Garrick builders and others who say, no, we want borders, uh, we want the distinction of our culture, but uh, a lot of the globalists would remove that. They would have one religion, uh, one, or not one religion, one, one language, one world, uh, and that's not something that a lot of us uh, see as beneficial because we lose a lot of the basic freedoms that we have come to accustomed to having. Bob, are the globalists winning or losing right now? Well, that's a good question, George, and it's hard to say. Certainly, I think Mr. Trump, when he came into office, he upset the apple cart. You know, at the end of his campaign after winning the presidency, he said that globalism is both an economic, a political ideology. It's about international organizations and institutions taking over from nation states. It's unrestricted movement of goods across borders. And, of course, uh, rejecting the idea that you know, Americans are any different than anyone else in the world. They can all have the same jobs and the same opportunities. Uh, that's just a denial of reality. But they're doing very, very well, unfortunately, and it's undermining, I think, a lot of the traditions and, of course, our own country's sovereignty. Bob, would you say that someone like Bill Gates Gates, who made his billions in Microsoft, could be a globalist? I would argue that he probably is, and a lot of other billionaires who have lost touch with reality, what the common man is about, you know, tend to be globalists. They, they embrace uh, these big ideas, and big ideas in themselves are not bad. You know, a lot of financiers, the royals, the, the dynastic-owning families, you know, somebody defined globalists as... Uh, using the acronym WEIRD, Western Educated, Industrialized, Rich, and Democratic. And that is weird, and they typically are that. And I would say Gates is amongst that. Uh, some are more radical than others, however. Would you say that social networking and the growth of the smartphone has helped contribute to this idea of globalism? Well, certainly it's helped communication worldwide. Sure has. You know, when you can communicate virtually with anyone, as I do on a daily basis around the world, uh, it really brings the world much, much closer. But still, there are major differences, and you know, it, it doesn't give us uh, the real sense of security because things happen uh, and we can't uh, control them, and that that really causes a lot of angst in uh, people across the world. Do the globalists want wars? and world wars? Well, some of them actually do, I would argue, because it reduces the population. You know, the likes of Ted Turner have been on record saying that, you know, this world doesn't need 8 billion people, it needs 500 million. Uh, And then you look at the likes of David Rockefeller, who, you know, died a year ago. Mm -hmm. David was big into eugenics and said, you know, we, we really need to have a much smaller world as well. And so he, he promoted, you know, a smaller world. Now, how we get to that, you know, you could use huh. wars, I suppose, if you're really nefarious in your thinking. That's right. Or, or diseases or whatever else you want Absolutely. to spread out there to contaminate the population. Well, what does the average person do, somebody who's listening to this program, saying, you know, right on, Mr. McGinnis, I agree with you, but what do they do? Well, they recognize first that 
you know, we are in a situation where there are power brokers out there. You know, there are power brokers that are really running the world behind the scenes. You know, the corporate, the academic, the political, the non-government organization, folks like the George Soros with billion dollars to, to back up his ideas. You know, they need to you know, be politically active and elect people that are going to do the right thing. Now, and of course that creeps over from the globalism to the shadow government and the deeper state, uh, because in fact, you know, if we don't participate in these, you know, political situations and put people in there that are trustworthy and we hold them accountable, then, you know, things get out of hand. And that, unfortunately, you know, that's what's happened. You know, they've grabbed the power centers of the world and in our country and started to manipulate things in their own favor. Let's talk about the the secret societies that are involved with this plan as well. Who might they be, Robert? Well, you have a a number of secret societies that I outlined. The Bilderberger Group, I I would call them the high priests of globalization. They're sort of the uh, world's shadow government. They're the same people that, you know, brought us Barack Obama and Bill Clinton. If you really go back deeply in, say, 1991 over in Baden-Baden, Germany, they brought this Arkansas governor, governor by the name of Bill Clinton, and they said, you know, if you embrace this idea of NAFTA, uh, we're going to give you money and media, and we're going to help you get elected. He was. They did the same thing with Barack Obama. You know, what is surprising, a friend of mine that's now deceased, uh, Phyllis Schlafly, went and reported on the 2016 Bilderberger meeting off the coast of South Carolina. And she found, interestingly, that, you know, a lot of big wigs out of Washington, to include the speaker and the majority leader and others, you know, went there, and that conference was all about opposing President Trump. Uh, and because Trump, of course, wasn't part of the secret society and the behind-the-scenes manipulator. So it was interesting how she reported on that. And the Bilderbergers are, you know, about 2,500 people all over the world, the, the rich of the rich, and they do things that, you know, manipulate the markets and stand up the rulers, whether it's in the European Union or in Asia or here in the United States. I knew Phyllis uh, from my days in St. Louis, Bob, and uh, she was a sharp cookie, wasn't she? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the world is, you know, less effective and less informed uh, because of her passing. What do you think our founding fathers would be saying today at what they see right now about globalism and everything else? Well, they would be disappointed, uh, but at the same time, George, you know, I look at those that wrote the Constitution, 55 only men, only white, uh, mostly lawyers and bankers, rich people. And so they were a special people, but they also were more of an oligarchy and not, you know, what we often think popularly in this country, that it was truly a democracy. You know, when they wrote the Constitution, they nailed the window shut of that hall because they didn't want people, you know, peering in and listening to their, you know, their deliberations. Um, they gave us a government that has morphed over the years and become much better than it was. Initially, it was a, really a reflection of the House of Lords 
and the kingship because they really initially wanted a president and vice president for life and a senate for life. Uh, and they gave us a courts for life. But we the people, under the likes of Andrew Jackson and the leadership he gave us for electoral politics, turned things around. And, and Jacksonianism really gave us you know, a, a, a kind of a push toward anti-establishment, and we began to sort things out. But over the years, and especially after Woodrow Wilson and Franklin Roosevelt and then Barack Obama, things have been reversed, unfortunately, and now we have uh, more centralized control and what I call the deeper state. Well, that's what I was going to say. With the deeper state and with uh, globalism, what are the telltale signs, Bob, that we can see and look at to say to ourselves, oh, my gosh, they're doing this? Well, you know, George, you know, I, I look at you know, the deeper state in, you know, of course, three levels. I look at the first level, of course, the, the political class, those that we elect. And, you know, if you believe you know, the likes of uh, Jimmy Carter, who calls in an oligarchy, unlimited bribery in Washington, and I've been in Washington on and off for more than 50 years, you know, it's so true. Even Bernie Sanders calls... He says money owns the political establishment in this city. And, of course, uh, the conservative Senator Ted Cruz called it a D.C. cartel. So power in Washington is manipulated, uh, not surprisingly, by money. And then, of course, you have the administrative state. Uh, and we saw in the last administration, and, of course, this one, you saw the lowest learners of the world you, who manipulated the IRS. You saw what Hillary did with pay and play. You saw you know, Fast and Furious with the DOJ. And, of course, in this administration, you've seen the likes of Andrew McCabe and, of course, you know, a lot of the controversy surrounding uh, James Comey uh, and the like. These things, unfortunately, no matter what power base is in there, Republican, Democrat, or other, you know, are real and they continue. And they continue because... We do have a deep state, a shadow government, a bureaucracy that, you know, is so well entrenched. You know, I describe the insular world of the deep state as politicians, bureaucrats, lobbyists, journalists, and think tank, deep-pocketed people. They're all going to the same dinner parties. They're all yeah. sending their kids to the same schools, and they're arrogant and they're inevitably insular in their way of viewing things. Power is here, and the heck with the rest of you out there. And that's how things often happen in an all-powerful bureaucracy. How do we reverse that? You know, it, it takes the likes of somebody to come in uh, to shake things up, and certainly this president has shaken things up. Oh, he sure has. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern. And go to coasttocoastam.com for more.